I'd like for you to open up to Romans chapter 8. And um, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read a what I hope is a familiar uh, passage of Scripture to you here uh, this morning. Romans chapter 8. church at Rome, and it was a church that was under uh, duress, it was a persecuted church, it was a challenging church, challenged church, and um, keep in mind that the Caesar uh, that was in control at that moment uh, was not uh, friendly to their cause, and, um, and yet there was a, a belief that the Lord was able to take care of every need. So I'd like to read to you in Romans chapter 8. Look with me to verse 18. The Bible says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath, who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's a pretty impressive um, scripture to read to you here this morning. So I would just um, ask you, let, let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts so that this word can enter in and we can mix it with faith and just believe that the Lord can, can touch us and can help us here this morning. Lord, again, we come to you and we have need, Lord, of your spirit. I know, God, that the dynamics, Lord, of this worship service is, Lord, so entirely different from what we're normally accustomed to. But I would, Lord, ask you that, that in your unique way, that God, that you would take this word and use it to be an encouragement, Lord, to those that, that are listening or watching here this morning, that, Lord, that this word would put hope into their hearts, into their spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And uh, <clears throat> again, forgive me out of habit, I always say thank you for standing. You may be seated. Um, <clears throat> I would also tell you that uh, Brother Patterson and I have talked, and he will start um, Wednesday night as the first Wednesday night of the month. Uh, <clears throat> he will be starting to teach Wednesday night Bible study, and then he'll be preaching uh, next Sunday morning, so you'll be able to uh, see Brother Patterson. Uh, he's been here every service with us, either in the sanctuary or in the back. Uh, <clears throat> but we we're gonna, he will be uh, preaching uh, to you. I want to preach to you on this thought about the comforting grace of God. Um, over the years, uh, I know that that all of us have uh, had bumps and scrapes in life. Uh, that takes us down places that would some, somehow at times try to distract and 
and to hinder us in our forward progress of serving the Lord. And, and it's during those times that there are psalms that come to mind and to spirit. And uh, Psalm 23, <clears throat> Psalm 42, Psalm 63, Psalm 91, uh, Psalm 119, all of those are, are passages throughout the psalms that have been uh, very encouraging to me. And then there's other places that have uh, brought encouragement and inspiration to me as well. And, and some of those are, are not quite as obvious perhaps as, as others. Uh, but whenever you look at Abraham's call in, in the book of Genesis, when the Lord uh, asked Abraham to uh, sacrifice his only son, and, and uh, that is a point where that you see that it looks like it's going to turn out uh, into a bad situation, and yet there in the end, the Bible tells us that the Lord is able to provide uh, himself a sacrifice, and we read that story and how that it turns out uh, for the better, for the life of Abraham and certainly for the life of Isaac. And then uh, in the New Testament, in John 17, we read of that prayer that the Lord prayed in John 17 as he began to pray there the, the, the needs of, of the hour. And, uh, and it's through all of that that we realize that, that mankind at times has had pressure uh, that has been placed on his life and into his, his spirit. I have a, a number of, of books in my study that um, there are some books that are not nearly as popular now as what they used to be in time past, but uh, books or collections of sermons that men have, have written from bygone generations and about how that they began to write about the trials and tribulations that uh, people have to endure and have to go through. One of those books that I have is written by a man by the name of Clarence McCartney, long dead now, uh, well over a, a number of decades that uh, he passed away. But, but he wrote a book called The Trials of, of Great Characters or Great Bible Characters. And whenever... You look at that; those chapters in that book, there are those that are, are about Job and about Abraham and about David and Moses and Elijah. And there's even some chapters in there about the Lord and about how that uh, things that he had to endure and certainly Paul, that uh, we find that there were challenges that he faced uh, in his life. But there's another book that I have that was written by a Puritan by the name of Richard Sibbs, and it was written in 1630 and uh, has been reprinted. And, and he uses that text there from Isaiah 42, where that in Isaiah 42 and 3, the Bible says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And, and in that book, written 400 years ago now or more, that uh, where almost 400 years ago, that uh, he talks about the fact about how that the Lord will redeem man and he will bring man out of the most dire 
of circumstances in uh, life. And, and yet he says that there's times where that the enemy, Satan, comes and he does his best to try to distract and to hinder uh, and to cause faith or our, our doubt to fog out the faith that we may have in our minds. He, he will come along and, and he'll say that, that you're a great sinner and, and we may answer back to him, yes, but Christ is a strong savior and, and he will object. He will say, well, you don't have any faith and you don't have any love and, and, and uh, we, we will say, oh yes, there is a spark of faith that I have uh, in my life. And then he comes along and he says, you know what, it's just a small flicker. And our response or man's response can be Isaiah 42 and three, where that we can say, but you know what, the Bible tells me that he will not quench uh, the smoking flags. If there is a flicker, then he is not going to remove that from my, my life. And, and it's that point that again, that we realize that we believe and know that God is working in our lives to the effect and to the impact of salvation and that he's bringing those things to pass. And yet, here is the facts of life that we have to consider that even in the darkness and the difficulties and the challenges of life, that there are some things that we need to remember. First of all, I need to remember this, as you do as well, that God is never shocked or surprised by the events that comes along in our lives. He, he knows every struggle. He, he's not trying to figure out what he's gonna do for his next move. He, he knows about the tears before they ever leave our eyes. He knows about the heartache before it ever starts in the heart and in the soul. He knows the moments that we bridge in life where that there may be a weakness that comes to us and, and yet he promises us the strength that we need in that particular way. And the second thing is this, is that the most important way that we walk through those challenges is not through silence, but rather it is through praise. And I, I would just tell you here this morning that, that the singing here in this uh, sanctuary, and I pray that, that you even in your home that you felt that as you begin to sing to the Lord and that there was praise that came out of your mouth through that exercise of singing, that, that there was something about it, that as we gave ourselves to praise, then we certainly could be able to say that the Lord touches our hearts and our spirits in that. And so it is that there's times where that if you commit yourself to counting your blessings, then here is what takes place. There are more specific blessings that you begin to see. It's like that you take an inventory of how that the Lord has blessed and how that he has touched you and then that open up, opens up even more avenues of praise to us where that we can see. And yet the scripture that I read to you here this morning. All of those things are wrapped up in Romans chapter eight. It was a long passage. I, or I abbreviated some of that and did not read all of that here to you this morning. 
But uh, again, I, I would, I'm going to walk through Romans chapter 8 uh, for us. And, and, and I would just tell you this, that, that what I'm preaching here uh, tonight was more out of a private personal devotion than really what it was out of the intent of me developing an, a message to preach. It was just some part where that I was, was reading and studying, just kind of in some private times. And, and uh, I began to write these things now I thought I, I probably ought to maybe work this out and so those are some of the thoughts look with me there if you have your Bibles again and look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18 the Bible says for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit or to know the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he hope, or why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. You see, Paul was speaking there in those seven verses or so where he was talking about that there's times where that there is an uncomfortable grace that comes in to our hearts and to our spirits. And, and Paul makes us aware of this. He, he says, I want you to know something, that, that there's times where that you have to really realize that uh, that you are <coughs> going to suffer and, and that suffering is not unusual and, and uh, we have to consider that we live in a fallen world here today even in 2020 with all the advancements that we have we still live in a fallen world and that goes all the way back uh, to the Garden of Eden notice what he says there look to verse 20 here's what Paul says he says we're, sub we're subject to vanity. The ESV says it like this, we're subjected to futility. In verse 21, it says that, that we are in bondage to corruption. And then in verse 22, it says we, that we groan and we travail in pain. And, and the ESV says it like this, in the pains of childbirth. I, I wanna put it to you in another way. And it's this, that we are at a place of already and not yet. You, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, the already 
is this, is that sin caused the failure of man back in the Garden of Eden. That's where we're at. We're already in that place where that sin has taken advantage of the life and the soul of man. And so what is the not yet? The not yet is, is that the ultimate removal from this world, that that takes place when the Lord raptures his church out of this world. And so what Paul was telling us was saying that, that here is the part that you are in a place where that he wants us to be aware that as we are at the place of the already and the not yet that the Lord has a solution and he is going to work out something good that is going to be evident in our lives. Now here is the key. The key is this, is that God, the grace of God, often does its best and its brightest work whenever you are in a place of stress and, and challenge and difficulty. It's in those moments where that you understand that, that again, that the Lord is working, that he can take and bring very good things out of very bad things. And the greatest evidence that we have of that is what took place with the cross of the Lord. Jesus Christ. I want you to turn forward in your Bibles just a few pages and look with me to the Colossian letter, Colossians chapter 2, that Paul wrote there to the church uh, at Colossae. Here is what he says in Colossians chapter 2. I would like to read in verse 12. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. Here is what the Bible says. It says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And Paul was saying that I want you to understand that even though that sin was working in the lives of man, that whenever the cross comes about, that we know that the Lord is working in that. What, what could be more unjust than the murder of our Savior? What could be more unjust than what he had to walk through? You read in Isaiah chapter 53 about him being a man of sorrows, a man that was challenged by those things that were there and you read that and that there is something that grips your heart as Isaiah begins to speak about the condition that the Lord was at and yet it was in that moment whenever it's almost like the, the, the work of Calvary uh, in that dark moment that the Lord said wait a minute I'm gonna bring something good out of this and so it is that in the moments whenever we're crying out for relief that 
the Lord is doing some things sometimes deeply within us that we do not recognize them until after the trial has stopped and after we have come across on the other side and the very things that we want relief from is the very thing that the Lord is using to bring about spiritual maturity in our lives. I would just say this, that you realize that there's times, and I know that we live in a different day now, but there still is a need to discipline children in our day. And I, I know that, that former generations, some of us, that there was a discipline that, that was not enjoyable. And, and uh, yet that, that discipline, what did it do? It created a maturity in our lives so that when we look back as adults, we're thankful for those moments and times when our parents had the oversight and they were using the authority, their God-given given authority to help to strengthen and to move us into a place. If you can look at the trials in your life in that way and know that what Paul said, he said it like this, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And church, you must hear me out today that even though when the pandemic is over with or the economic crisis has been abated, that that ultimately is not the relief that we're looking for, but there is a relief that there is going to be a healing, that there is going to be a deliverance and that there is going to be a touch of the hand and the presence of God in our lives. And you must know this, that the Lord is so committed to his work in his church that he's not gonna let anything going to interrupt the work that he will do or whatever cause that he has taken up. And so it is that we may look even here today that, that our lives have changed and yet the fact is is that the Lord is working in our lives in a way that ultimately we will understand what is it. What's this segment that Paul's speaking of here? He's talking about the uncomfortable grace of God and we have to encourage each other in that and knowing that God sometimes puts us in places where that, that it is uncomfortable and yet the work of the enemy comes along and tries to cause us to embrace and somehow that wants us to doubt that God is really at work and that's where that you have to work against what the enemy is trying to do because he wants to fill you full of doses, big doses of bad theology so that it will have a corrupting effect on your mind and on your spirit. And so those verses 18 through 25 shows us the uncomfortable grace of God in our lives. But notice with me what he says in verse 26 in Romans chapter eight and verse 26. Here is what the Bible says. If you have your Bible, I want to point this out to you. He says, likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we are. But the Spirit itself 
make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now here is the second part in these two verses if you're writing things down. I would point out to you the intervening grace of God. Whenever pain comes roaring in to your body, it is indeed painful. It hurts. And pain covers a lot of different areas. It can be physical pain. It can be relational pain. It, it can be pain that is situational. But I would also tell you this. There's pain that comes into our lives that is both spiritual and emotional. It, it's, it's like that our minds at times have almost developed pain receptors to our soul and, and there's times where that the emotional and spiritual distress, it gets so high that, that you cannot pray well-ordered prayers, prayers that I believe that we ought to pray that are thoughtful prayers, prayers that are not as Paul or as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that are filled with repetition. That's a way where that we have to look and evaluate our prayer life, that it is if it's filled with 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 repetition and you're saying it over and over again that basically you are in a place where that you're still in the pediatrics of prayer. You're, you're in the kindergarten of prayer and there needs to be a development where that you can pray your way through challenges but there are times where that, that in our pain that we cannot pray prayers like that and so what we do is we cry out to the Lord, Lord help me, Lord please work in my life and it's in your pain that you know what God is not looking for long elaborate prayers what he is looking for is for us as children to turn ourselves in his direction and reach out to the Lord and I would just say that right now that I believe that, that the Lord is going to use this to create revival and to create harvest and that there are backsliders that because of the situation of our world What's the Lord doing? He's using his grace to draw us back in, to draw those back in. But now I speak to those of you that are filled with the Spirit. The Lord works with a sense of intervening grace. Look at what he says in verse 26. He says, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And it's at that moment that you begin to pray and you realize that the Lord is helping you to pray in that way and in that manner when you don't even know what to say, when you don't even know where to turn, what does the Lord do? He enables you to pray in the Spirit. And it's in moments like that when we are the most confused and we're muddling around and our world seems chaotic. It seems like that there is no good news, that it's only bad news. And, and we get caught up in that and yet the remedy of that is for us to pray in the Spirit. There is a great power that can come to us in intercessional groanings. Those prayers that, that somehow that they 
prayed the Spirit prays through us and prays very powerfully at the throne of grace where that they're gonna be heard and they're answered and yet the Lord hears those groanings and he, uh, he works in our lives without uh, any kind of judgment and he doesn't say you gotta get your act together. You gotta get the situation stru- straightened up before I can work. Here is what the Lord says, bring me your pain, bring me your difficulty Difficulty. Bring me your challenges. And as you bring those to me, I am going to let the work of the Spirit move into your heart. And so now let's look to Romans chapter 8. I want to point out verse 28. And this is a very familiar portion of Scripture, I believe, to all of us. Look at what the Bible says. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. To whom he justified, them he also glorified. And so again, verses 18 through 25, Here's what we find. We find the uncomfortable grace of God. In verses 26 and 27, we find the intervening grace of God. But but in verses 28 through 30, here is what I see. I see the unstoppable grace of God. And sometimes I believe that, that I'm certain that, that I have a misunderstanding about this. This is not that the Lord is going to say, I guarantee you that everything will turn out okay because the reality is this is that there will be things sometimes that you know people as well as I do that they went to their graves and their situation never seemingly uh, improved there never was seemingly a place that that there came an answer Their, their, their spouse may not have ever come to their senses their business did not recover their bodies were not healed and and the mistakes that they have marred in their lives and there have been people that have been led to believe that that this verse foretells that there will be a good ending down here but what's Paul's context? Paul's context is not a temporal relief but it's an eternal relief. It's one where that as you begin to understand it in knowing this that we are not looking for everything in this life to be factored out and to taken care of and so that we will be somehow comfortable here in this life. What are we looking for? I'll tell you church, you're looking for well done thou good and faithful servant because there is coming a day that every dilemma, every trouble, every challenge that you face in your life that the Lord is going to work out that in his grace it cannot be stopped and you say how in the world did you get that out of that because look with me in verse 30 
Look at that last verse there. He says, in whom he called them also he justified. In whom he justified them he also glorified. And Paul is telling us that the ultimate place that you're looking for is the glorification of your spirit. It is in 1 Corinthians 15 that when this corruption puts on incorruption and this mortal, it puts on immortality and that is the confusion sometimes that sets up in the lives and the hearts of men is to think that everything good is going to be physical and relational and our circumstances are going to get better and God is not so much concerned with that is and that he is concerned with the status and the state of my soul being saved and for your soul to be saved that you would be filled with the spirit of God and I'm preaching to you here this morning in an empty building and I'm, I'm sure that some are saying oh he's so emotional but there's an undercurrent of the Holy Ghost right now that's in this sanctuary and I pray Pray that wherever you're at, it's getting in to your home and getting in to your life because this is what the enemy does not want you to know. He doesn't want you to know that there's coming a place where that God is gonna rescue. He's gonna completely forgive. He's gonna transform. He's going to deliver. And yet that may not be here, but the glorified part of us and yet in our suffering, the best of gifts, the gift of God's grace is never at a place of loss. It's never at risk. It's never at stake. What God has promised, nothing can stop that from working in my life or in your life. I sure wish y'all was in here with me to say amen. The Lord's good to us. The Lord is good to us. Let's look on now to verse 31. Here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. The Bible says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so it is that as we track through this passage here, it seems like it's rising higher and higher. And I, I want to point out to you here, these two verses, 31 and 32, is the providing grace of God. And Paul, he tells us, He's saying, look, he said in verse 32, he's he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And in our weakness and in our need, when we face things that are bigger than we are, when we feel needy and we feel that we are in want and we feel the need of the Lord, what do we look to? We look to the cross, that old song, old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And we don't sing it very often, but here's the words of that song. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will go strange, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and, and we follow him there. Or us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. And then the last verse, his word shall not fail you. He promised, believe him and all will be well. And then go to a world that's dying, his perfect salvation to tell. The cross serves as a pretty powerful reminder for everybody that suffers, for everybody that's facing a challenge, everybody that's facing things in their lives. Here is what the Bible says. The cross teaches us that, that the Lord is going to make a provision and that the grace and the power of God will come through into our lives. So now let's look at the last part of this verse, Romans chapter 8. And I would like <coughs> to begin in verse 33. Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. Notice there in your Bibles, if you still have your Bible open with me, notice what he says. He says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that, that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then he says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Paul speaks of that. What, what's he talking about there? Paul talks about there is a grace that we cannot be separated from. There's a grace that we cannot be taken, that cannot be taken out of our lives. I, I've read that passage hundreds of times in my life. I'm sure that if you're a Bible reader, that you probably have that uh, section of your Bible that you can you can tell that you've been there frequently because it sings of a grace that's given to us. It it sings out to a height and a depth that all of us that that we have gone to before. And so whenever you walk through every single word of that passage, what's Paul doing? Paul is declaring to us that there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the grace of God because it is eternal and it is life-giving. Not life-giving in the physical manner, but it is life-giving in the eternal matter. And so Paul comes along and he says, yeah, you know what? He does love you. He does have grace to sustain you and nothing will ever change that. Not a pandemic, not an economic crisis, not a failure in your life, not a broken relationship, not a bad diagnosis, none of that 
Paul says there is nothing that is going to be able to say that I'm gonna let that separate you from the grace of God that I have in my life. And whether or not we want to admit it or not, there's a, there's a cry that comes out of every human being. And what is that cry? That cry is, I want somebody to love me. I want somebody to take care of me. We, we all long to be loved, not on just our good days, not just whenever we're strong, not whenever we have everything under our thumb, not just when it's attractive for somebody to love us. We, we don't want that, not just in those moments whenever we feel like we deserve it. All of us want the love of God and yet if we're willing to admit it we're weak and we're broken and we're confused and we're unattractive and we're unable somehow to return the love back to God that he extends to us but Paul says wait a minute he said I want you to know this there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ Paul tells us there is a savior that loves us he loves us unceasingly and that there will be a point where that that deliverance comes through our lives and so I want to tell you here today you're not defined by your suffering. You're not defined by the calamities in your life. You're not defined by the pressures that you face. And even though we may have to at times suffer powerful, difficult, life-shaping experiences, those are not the things that define us. What defines us is that grace of God that we find that as we move apart at every point in our lives, that we know this, that the grace of God moves with us through every circumstance, every challenge, every difficulty. I'd like to pray for you here uh, this morning. Pray that somehow just us walking through these scriptures has been helpful, has been encouraging, has caused you to look at things maybe from an angle just to know that the Lord's in control and he's going to take care of the church. He's going to take care of you in every matter and challenge of your life. Let's talk to the Lord. Oh, our gracious God, again, we, we come to you, Lord, needy. We come to you, God, somehow Lord imperfect as long Lord as, as we have this fleshly body that is the condition that we're in but I pray Lord today somehow God that this word it would breathe faith and hope and strength God into every person that has heard Lord me preach this here today God, that somehow that there's no limitations, Jesus, on what you want to do. Lord, I pray, God, today, Lord, that you again, we prayed this earlier, but keep your hands, God, on your church. I know they're there. And yet, Lord, there's times where that we feel like we may not be totally conscious and aware, Lord, of your hands. But I'm asking you, Lord, today, that you help us, God, to feel the strength of the Holy Ghost. God, the value of your word as you touch, Lord, every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I uh, again want to thank you for being with us and uh, certainly uh, very different 
circumstances that we're under. But this too shall pass. And the Lord's got his hand in the middle of every bit of it. And we're going to prevail and the Lord's going to help us. And uh, so again, I invite you back. We'll live stream again tonight starting at 6 o'clock. And uh, so I welcome you to come back with us again on this Sunday night. And again, be careful of the temptation there at home uh, to somehow to allow this time where we're, we're kind of in, in a social distancing situation. Be careful that you don't become socially or spiritually distant from the Lord and distant from His Word. You want to do everything you can to help and to foster your spiritual relationship with the Lord. And so I just ask you to keep those things in mind. And uh, the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us here this morning.